What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender license in all 50 states and MLS Consumer Access.org number 3030. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Good afternoon and happy Sunday. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad that you are and that you are recommending this show to your friends and family. I really appreciate that. And that you are really very present on social media. That helps so much because it helps myself and my assistants to know what is most inspiring for you and healing for you, uplifting for you, uh, what, what really gives you some new tools and ways to do your life so that you get to be truly the best version of you. And so today I want to talk more about relationships. So this is kind of the second part of Relationships 101. Because I think that truly, when our relationships are working, we we can accomplish anything. We feel great. I mean, when we're at one, when we are not in conflict, when we feel understood, validated, loved, wanted, respected, all these things, we can conquer the world. And so I want you to think about this idea about maybe instead of doing so much like external work on you and how you look and what you own and where you, where you work and, and how you live and all these different things, I want you to think about, you know, maybe I just need to become a relationship expert because my life will go very well if I am. So I want you to listen to this verse. It is really one of my favorite verses, and it is Matthew chapter 5, verses 36 through 42. And it's out of the Message Bible. And so when I read it in the Message Bible, it just really came to life. So it's entitled Empty Promises, and it says, Don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk saying, Hey, I'll pray for you, and 
never doing it or saying, hey, God be with you, and not really meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. So think about that. So even if you don't necessarily use religious speech, you know, what if you just say to somebody, hey, it's going to be fine, don't worry about it, when you know that's not true? What if you say to somebody, yeah, you're doing a great job, and you're getting ready to fire them? How about if you say to one of your kids, you know, oh, don't worry about it, you know, it'll work out in the end, when you know that they're making a really, really bad choice? So I like this verse because this is so relational. It's saying, you know, you only make things worse when you lay down a smoke screen and say these really, you know, these little cliches. You're only making things worse. And that it becomes less true the more you use little platitudes. You want to really connect. And one of the ways that we truly connect with humans is our yes means yes and our no means no. And we're brave enough to say them both in the appropriate time in truth. And that when we manipulate words, when we manipulate words to either get our own way or to get something we want or need, or manipulate with words so that someone perceives us a certain way, we're always going to go wrong. So I want you to think about that. And that is, again, Matthew chapter 5, 36 through 42. So let's talk about this idea of Relationship 101. And we did do some of this last week, but I want to reinforce it this week. So first and foremost, I remind my clients and myself, acceptance, the key to all my problems. Now, we're going to go back over that because acceptance does not mean agreement. See, if I accept something that's wrong, that doesn't mean I'm endorsing it or agreeing with it. It means that I'm not going to fight about it. Or it may mean that I don't have any power to change it. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a health issue. And so acceptance is a huge piece of that grief and loss process that we have talked about before. So when I can get to acceptance... A wonderful thing happens. I calm down, which helps me think better. And I am better able to come up with a solution that may work for me. And the solution for me at that moment, it may just be acceptance. That I just say, you know, I guess that's the way that it is. I guess that's the way it's going to be. So I need to figure out how to accept it so that it doesn't corrupt me because of how much I don't want to accept it. So there are some things we just need to accept. Basic things like, I'm aging. That's, that's the truth, and that's, I need to accept it. Now, I may want to slow it down. I may want to help myself in that process. But being unwilling to accept the fact that we all are going to grow old and if we don't grow old, we're still all going to die. And I need to accept that so that each day is lived well, that I don't have regrets. 
So think about that. Acceptance does not necessarily mean agreement. It simply means there's nothing I can do about it. If I walk out of the house and it's pouring rain like a monsoon, what am I supposed to do about that? I either accept it, go back in the house, work from home, or I'm willing to get wet, get in my car, drive to work, and be really rained on. So fighting it, getting mad about it, frustrated about it, crying over it, doesn't change anything. So I accept the things I can't change, and I change the things that I can. So we can always change the way we think. We can't always change the way we feel. But we can always change the way we think. I do not want you to be a slave to your thoughts. How about this one? I can love people I don't really like. This was a huge one that God gave me when it came to relationships. That there's a lot of people in my life that I love, but I might not actually like hanging out with them. And we see this many times in our, in our families. That, you know, oh, you know, it's our aunt, or it's cousin, or it's mom, or it's grandpa, or whoever that person is. We, they, may, they are in our family, and we may not actually like them, like have an affinity and want to hang out with them. But we do love them. We're connected to them. We would help them. So when I recognize that there's a lot of people that I can love, this, this applies at work. This applies in my neighborhood. What if you have neighbors that, you know, everybody has the, the neighbor, right, that makes it hard on everybody. So I can still love that person. Let's say their house is, you know, on fire. So do I just ignore it and let it burn down because I don't like them? No. I love humans. I'm just not going to be best friends with everybody. So I can love a lot of people that I don't like. And that helps me not to struggle to make them likable, right? That I can still love them. So this one is really big, and we've talked about this on several different shows, but this was revolutionizing when God gave me this, that feelings are very real but not always true. This is so important in relationships because I'm sure that you have experienced very negative feelings about somebody that you love. And so the feeling is so real, but it's transient. It may not be true because guess what happens? As soon as they say the right thing or they confess or they apologize or you get new information, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I love them. Wow. We had this big fight. I thought we were breaking up and now we're ending it with how much we love each other. So the feelings can be very real, but we don't always want to act on our feelings. We want to search for the truth, because the truth will always set us free. So I want you to be careful about this idea of how you feel. We are in a certain era in our country where it's all about feelings, more than it ever has been, and that feelings trump the truth all the time. And we want to be very careful about that because that actually makes people kind of crazy because it's really building your house on the sand and it's shifting all the time. But truth doesn't shift. Feelings do. So you've all experienced this. You know, you thought you hated the person and you were never going to talk to them again and you were 
speaking poorly about them to other people. And then you finally got information and you sat down and talked to them. You worked it out and you go, oh, my gosh, I kind of like this person now. So this is what I want you to think about. Things that are true are always true. Always. Feelings, though, are not necessarily always true. Now, one of the nicest things is if we have a positive feeling and it ends up being true. Like I'm feeling loved by this person, and then I find out through their actions, their words, their behaviors, that they really do love me. That's wonderful when my feelings that are so real are also true. So be careful about that and really practice that dichotomy. So I want you to think about this last one before we go on this break. And this is, I say this to clients all the time when it comes to relationships, blood, broken bones, somebody's not breathing, or there's fire. We have to do something immediately if those things are happening. If there's blood, I have to do something immediately. If somebody's broken bones, we have to act immediately. If there's fire, we have to act immediately. And if someone's not breathing, we have to act immediately. Everything else can wait. I can say to myself, you know, I might need to just pause here for a minute because I probably won't do me very well. So I'm going to take a break. So we are. We're taking a break. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about relationships and really how to make them work. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And make sure that you go to your favorite podcast server and you can listen to the show there as well. And thank you so much for referring the show to your friends and all of your support on social media. Thank you for passing that around. And we really do want to be encouraging and inspiring to people. And so we're talking about Relationships 101. And we did some last week, so it may be some repeat here. But now we're really dialing down to what it means to be relational and why relationship is so important. And so we we left off with this idea of blood, broken bones, somebody's not breathing, or fire. We have to do something immediately. When that is happening, we need to act immediately. So what I the reason I'm saying this to you is it's a great qualifier. And I give this to my clients regularly, and I practice this. Because many times that real feeling, like we talked about in the last segment, that may not be true, but it's real, starts to make me think that whatever the situation is, is like blood, broken bones, fire, nobody's breathing. And I think I have to do something immediately. Like they said something mean to me, I need to act immediately. Instead of taking a pause and saying, I can probably wait until I feel a little bit better about how I'm going to respond. So I don't have to make a snap judgment of somebody. I can wait. I can say, you know, that's maybe my first impression, but I probably need more information, so I'm going to wait. So this is why I say to people, if there's blood, if there's broken bones, if nobody's breathing or someone's not breathing or there's a fire, we don't have time. We have to act immediately. And if you've ever seen, you know, like a fire, car accidents, what happens in, in the ER, you know, part, part of the hospital, I mean, they're doing things immediately 
because they're saving this person's life. So they may be cutting off limbs, right? I mean, scary stuff because they are making sure the person survives. Well, we don't want to go into every situation that we're in as if it's survival, right? Survival's never pretty, but we're glad that we survive. But survival is costly. So we want to think about this. Blood, broken bones, no breathing, fire. We have to do amazingly crazy things sometimes to survive those. But somebody not returning my phone call? That's not like a fire. I need to wait. I need to take a breath. I need to think the best about them and say, you know, maybe something happened. So if I come to find out that they just blew me off, well, then maybe I will address it. If I'm wanting intimacy with that person, I probably need to tell them how I feel. If I'm not trying to have deep intimacy with them, maybe I'll just get over it and realize that, wow, maybe that person's not as relational as I thought. And maybe I need to have some better boundaries with them and lower my expectations. So think about that. And I want you to, to, uh, to think about this next one, <clears throat> excuse me, that is really helpful when it comes to kind of dovetailing off that idea of, of really being able to wait. And that's say, saying to yourself, I'm going to check things out. So I had an initial response. I got, I don't know, offended, scared, hurt, surprised in a negative manner. So instead of just reacting, I'm going to check it out. And checking it out may be waiting until tomorrow because I do have time. So if I, you know, as someone is rude to me on the phone, I might say, you know, I'm going to check that out. Before I make a judgment, before I get myself all worked up, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to call them back tomorrow and say, you know, our conversation yesterday, I just want to check it out. Are you, everything okay? It was kind of weird. Or you seemed a little short or frustrated. I want to make sure that you and I are happy with what we're doing. So if it's a colleague, you can say, I just want to make sure you're happy with the work I'm doing. If it's a friendship, if it's a romantic relationship, you want to say, you know, I just want to check it out because I care. So I want us to have a good experience in this relationship. So it seemed off yesterday, seemed kind of really off. And I want to make sure that I'm not the one that tipped. If I am, I want to know. If it was about somebody else, let me know if you, if you feel comfortable telling me. And so those are ways that we actually manage our time and our life here on earth. Instead of just surviving it, we're thriving in it. So you're going to check things out before you assume they are true. So how about this? This is a tough one for all of us as humans. How about when someone tells you a story about somebody and they're really emotional about it and it's sounding really valid and you're thinking it's really true and you're starting now to have feelings about the person they're talking about. Every human does that. We can't help it. So I always have to be careful. If I'm hearing something about someone, I might have to say to myself, okay, information, but I need to verify it. So before I start to create my own judgment about that person that I'm hearing about, I might want to say to myself, okay, I'm going to take that information in, but I'm going to check it out, right? That's what the military does, you know, when they're verifying something. And so it's proof it's verifying. I want to make sure that my judgment is correct. 
So after that, I want you to think about this statement. And this is a really important statement when using it in relationship. And it, it takes some time to uh, make it a habit. But this means that when I'm talking to somebody about maybe a negative feeling, even a positive feeling, I want to couch that sentence in this way. When you, and then I state the behavior, I feel, and I say how I feel. See, this causes people to not feel as defensive. Instead of me attacking them and saying, I can't believe that you are thinking that, that you talked to me like that, that you did that, and you didn't even tell me. I can't believe it. Who are you, right? Instead, I can say, you know, i got to check this out. So when you tell me that you're going to call me at 2, and I set aside that time, and you don't call me, I feel disappointed. I don't know. I kind of feel maybe a little offended. I feel worried. And that makes it so much easier for that other person to respond without being defensive. So I want to be able to say, hey, when I'm checking this out, I'm going to tell this person how I feel. Because remember, feelings are real, but they may not be true. So my feeling could change immediately when I find out new information. I'm sure that You've experienced that in the past with relationships when you were really angry at somebody. And then you started to find out the circumstances and what was going on for them. And you started to go, oh, well, that makes sense. Now I understand why they acted that way. So you want to check things out. And telling someone how you feel is about owning that feeling. So you don't say, well, you made me feel so bad. No, you know, nobody really can make you do anything. I mean, even if you're like a prisoner of war, right? Nobody can get inside of you and tell you how to be and what to do. So you want to say to yourself, wow, I'm really getting worked up about this person. I better check it out. So I say, you know, hey, when you bust into my office and you start yelling all these obscenities about so-and-so, I mean, I started to get kind of offended for that person, or I started to feel like, what's going on here? Why are you attacking me? And that's what it felt like to me. That helps that person be able to clarify. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about Relationships 101. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and this is 1360 KPXQ. So thank you for joining us today, and I really appreciate you taking the time and always sending things to your friends, your family, your coworkers. It really helps to make the environment that all of us are interacting in a lot safer place and a lot more enjoyable. And so we're talking about just some relationship rules that are just basics. And if you can get these as part of the, like what we would say, the ground floor, the platform um, to your relationships, your relationships are going to withstand trouble much better. You know, it's kind of like building your house on the rock or building your house on the sand. And so these, these sentences that we are talking about, these concepts are kind of like the bedrock. And so if you can implement them, you will find relationships work so much better and are much less complicated. So we left off in the last segment talking about this idea 
when you're checking something out before you make an assumption, right, that you use the when you, I feel statement. And so when you identifies a behavior versus you are so mean, you are so bad, you are, you're a liar, you are, you know, you're so quiet all the time, you're so whatever you are. When we're saying when you, I'm not saying are, I'm saying when you, and I am identifying an actual behavior. When you tell me you're going to call me back and you don't, okay, I feel frustrated. So I say a feeling word. But when I say the when you, I have to identify an action or a concrete behavior. And then I say how I feel about it. And I don't make it a you statement. You make me so mad. You make me sick. You, you've hurt my feelings. You, 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 you. What we're saying to them is, hey, when you do this behavior, you don't call me back. You gossip about me behind your back. You swear at me. You blow me off and then expect me to do something for you. When you do those things, I feel really disrespected. I feel hurt. I feel let down. I feel angry. And this is also works in the positive. Hey, when you say to your kids, hey, when you pick up your clothes and hang them up, I feel so respected. I feel so loved when you do that. Or, hey, when you help so-and-so with the chores, I feel really confident about you. I feel really proud of you. So this statement works in both ways. So how about this? Sandwich approach. When I have to tell someone something very negative, I usually use what we call the sandwich approach. So I tell them a positive thing about them. Then I slip the negative in, and I end with a positive. So it can be as simple as this. You know, I am so thankful that I can talk to you about this. I get really frustrated when you're late. And I know you don't do it on purpose to me. I know it's not, you're not trying to do it to me. I just feel frustrated when you are late. And so it makes it easier for the person to hear when we attach it to a positive on both sides. We sandwich that negative with positives. So forgiveness, this is a big one when it comes to relationships. Every relationship that works that has any level of intimacy has deep forgiveness. Humans need forgiveness. We, we mess up. You know, we're not perfect. And sometimes we mess up really big, really big. Sometimes we hurt people really badly. So what I want you to think about is this idea of forgiveness. Many times we as Christians, and maybe just not even being a Christian, we have this expectation that if I forgive you, I have to have intimacy with you now. That if I forgive you, the relationship is restored. Well, I want you to think about this for a minute. We always have to forgive because we've been forgiven. So that's just, that's just a moral, that's a moral issue. We forgive. But forgiveness does not always mean agreement. And forgiveness does not always mean intimacy. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean the relationship is fixed or whatever it is that they did that, that they're forgiven so that we have intimacy. See, when I forgive somebody... 
the the main reason God is asking me to forgive is because he's forgiven me, and it is an act of God. It is a godly behavior to do. And the forgiveness sets me free. Because if I truly forgive, then I will have a much better perspective on whether or not I want to keep that relationship. If that relationship is safe for me. If I don't forgive, then I'm going to walk around with that burden. And I will have unresolved feelings toward the person I refuse to forgive. And it will, it will always bleed over into other relationships and other parts of my life. And it will affect my decision making. So thank you for joining me. We have one more segment, and we are talking about Relationship 101. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I'll see you in the next segment. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. If you're just joining in, this is our last segment for this hour. And you can listen to the show in its entirety on any of your favorite podcast servers. Just look, in, uh, look up Conversations with Cynthia. And that is Cynthia with an I, C-I-N-T-H-I-A. Uh, the website is CynthiaHyatt.com. Love it when you visit the website and just give us some indicators of what you would like to hear, what you, what you are needing what what would really be inspiring for you? And there are many times if that I have written shows because someone has has emailed me and said, "Hey, would you please talk about this topic? This is what's confusing me, or this one is hard. Will you please talk about it?" So I love it when you do that. And we're going to finish up this hour with, and this is on relationships one hundred and one. I'm going to go back to what we opened with, and that's that verse in Matthew chapter five. 36 through 42, out of the Message Bible, the Message Edition. And it's entitled, Empty Promises. And it says, don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk, saying, hey, I'll pray for you, and never doing it, or saying, God be with you, and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Isn't that amazing? I wish more Christians would know that. Because many times we just think that, hey, I'll just say this and then I'm off the hook. Or I'll just pump this person up and I really don't mean it. So it doesn't just mean Christians. It means anyone that is u- that are using words inappropriately because they don't want to either deal with something or they're wanting to take advantage of someone. They're wanting to condemn someone. They're wanting to one-up somebody. And so I love this because it, it says at the very end, when you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. When you manipulate words, and I'm telling you, my whole job is about words. It's how we talk. It's how we think. And it's all about words. And when we speak something, we are actually speaking it into existence. Now, whether it has a life, I don't know. But words mean something. And you know and I know how good you have felt when someone spoke words to you that were so uplifting, so truth-telling so accepting and when we've had someone use words against us and that we can't even forget those words 
we start telling our friends, you know what so-and-so said to me? This is what they said to me. And it's really tough to get over when someone has spoken evil of you or harmed you or hurt you with words. So think about this. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. See, it never works. So as we were talking about in the last segment, this idea of forgiveness, forgiveness and judgment, and that forgiveness is not always about agreement. And forgiveness does not always mean there's going to be intimacy. See, I can forgive and do and need to forgive people that have hurt me. It doesn't mean I'm in relationship with them again. Sometimes I need to go through that hurtful process to recognize that maybe they're not a safe person. So maybe I've been working a lot harder on the relationship than I should have, and I'm casting pearls before swine, right? And we've talked about that verse before. So it's really important that you know what you're doing and that you are conscientious about your words and your actions. And so this whole idea of forgiveness means that first and foremost, when I forgive, I am set free. It also can free the other person if they so choose. Sometimes people don't choose that. But I still need to forgive so that I can move on and not have a cluttered heart with unforgiveness. And this also means forgiving self. And I've done an entire show on forgiving yourself because many times that is the hardest person to forgive. It's horrible when we let ourselves down. I hate it when I have to apologize or when I've done something and I go, oh my gosh, I hope nobody knows about that. I really messed up. But I'm human. And it's, it's going to happen. And so part of the forgiveness piece means if I forgive me, again, remember, forgiveness does not mean acceptance or agreement. It doesn't mean I believe the behavior is acceptable now. It doesn't mean I agree with what I did or what someone else did. If that were the case, I wouldn't need forgiveness. So forgiveness means I'm cleaning the slate. I'm giving myself a new start. I'm doing the same thing with myself that I might do with someone else that I'm forgiving. So I'm not going to bring it up again and beat myself up with it. I have forgiven myself. And forgiveness doesn't make it right. So when I forgive me, guess what happens? I'm free. And then I will also improve in how I interact with others. My behavior improves because when I am forgiven and I am free, I am less likely to do self-seeking behaviors because I'm not feeling yucky about myself. I'm not feeling bad about myself. So usually, most often, the better we feel about ourselves, the better our behaviors are. The better our relationships are, the more success we have. And that doesn't mean falsely puffing ourselves up because we all live with ourselves. We know better. But the bottom line is, when I'm able to forgive myself deeply, completely, and I actually learn through forgiveness not to repeat my own folly, I'm safer for other people and I am better able to forgive them. It's not so hard to forgive another person if I have been forgiving toward myself. So when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, that means there's always this judgment piece, 
right? And, and judgment sometimes gets a really bad rap. We all judge things. We judge whether we like something or not. We judge whether we're going to run the light. We judge whether we're going to eat dessert. We judge all kinds of things as to whether or not we're willing to pay the price for whatever the decision is that we're making or whether the, the decision is good. That's judgment. So what I work on many times for, for long periods of time with clients is judgment and helping them have good judgment and being able to assess a situation with all the ramifications and knowing what their loss may be, knowing what their gain may be, and knowing what kind of risk they may be taking. And that's judgment. So judgment helps me understand that whatever it is that I'm doing right here in the moment has a ripple effect. Is it positive ripple effect or is it going to be a negative ripple effect, which means it's going to bring more negative things to me because it's a stupid decision. It's a stupid behavior. It's a stupid choice. And maybe sometimes, like you, like me, I'm cavalier and I do it anyways. I still have to pay the price. And so judgment doesn't necessarily mean that it's negative. See, I can judge things. I can judge something as a positive. I can say, you know, that's really good judgment. You know, you were really sick and you stayed home. That was really good judgment. You decided not to eat, eat dessert. That was really good judgment. You actually went to the dentist. You needed to. Or that was good judgment. You called the doctor. You decided to go on, on a, a healthier diet. You decided to start exercising. You decided to go to church. And so this is where, when we are thinking about judgment, we are judging behaviors based, more than anything, on how effective they are, how helpful they are. What did we learn from it? So when we're judging our behaviors or somebody else, we're judging whether or not that worked, whether or not we enjoyed it or appreciated it. We can't judge the human. We can't judge the person. We don't know what's in their heart. We don't know what they're struggling with in their mind. We can't judge the internal world of someone because we're not in it. We might see whatever is emanating outside of them from it. Maybe that gives us some indication of what's going on inside of them. But we have to be very careful about judging someone based on the outside, how they look, what they wear, how they talk, who they know, what they own, what they do for a living, what they don't do for a living. We need to be careful that if we start to judge that, we want to judge them based on whether or not that's helpful, whether or not we think they're going to make it, whether or not we, we want to support what they're doing. We're not judging it as if we know better than they do. Now, if you're an expert on something, I hope you know better. That would be why we go to experts. But even the experts that are good at being experts don't judge people initially. They might say to the person, hey, you know, if I, if I were a judging person, this is what I would assume of you. So if that's not true, let's talk about why you present it that way. I think you may be, you know, cutting your nose off to spite your face, right? So when we're thinking about this idea of judgment, we're saying, hey, is this an effective choice? Is this an effective behavior? Is the clothing they're wearing effective? 
Well, if you're wearing something super scantily, you're scantily clad and you're going for a professional interview, probably not good judgment. But that doesn't make you a bad person. And this is why this is so imperative that we get a handle on this, especially in today's world where judgment is so freely abounding and people are thinking they're experts on everything. And this is where I want you to understand that, that the judge of all judges, which is God, is benevolent first and foremost, is loving, is kind, wants his people to succeed. So the judgment piece we have to understand is that we don't know the person well enough to judge them completely. Only God does. They don't even know themselves well enough. I don't know myself completely. I learn more and more every day. Sometimes I'm really glad at what I learn. Sometimes I'm not happy about what I learn. But I want to judge my behaviors based on whether or not they're working, whether they're effective, whether they are producing positive things, whether they are helping people, whether they are very, um, like, true to myself. So when I'm judging me, I want to judge the fact of my behaviors based on how relevant it is to who I truly am. Am I revealing who I truly am? Am I acting out of my own uniqueness? Am I willing to take responsibility for mistakes as I'm learning? See, we are all learning up until the day we die. We should be learning. So I'm glad you joined me today. And I want you to really take this to heart, this idea of relationships and not manipulating your words to get your way or to make something be something it isn't. That's dishonest gain. And you won't feel good about you. But more than anything, acceptance and forgiveness. You are a one-time occurring person. Nobody can replicate you. Even identical twins are different, even if their body's the same. So it's important that you recognize that you're here for a reason. And I don't want you to let this kind of stuff get in the way of you being you, of you really affecting the world in the way that only you can. And I want you to take that seriously. So I want you to love deeply. And that means you and others and God. And recognize that we're all learning. Nobody's figured it all out down here. And we are all students. Some of us are failing. Some of us are succeeding. Some of us need to get back to school and learn, right? Thank you so much for joining me. And have a wonderful week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. 
If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing under license in all 50 states and MLS consumer access.org number 33.